Welcome, everyone. This is another episode of Talk with TT, and I'm really delighted to have one of our new deacons for 2021, um, Evelyn Ajakum. And Evelyn, it's wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for making time because you're a busy lady. Uh, you've got a husband and two children and you're working. Tell us about your family. Um, so it's myself, my husband, Martin Clifford, and my daughter, Isabel Rose, and Waylon Elijah. But um, Waylon and Isabel, um, nine years old Waylon and five-year-old Isabel. Um, and then my husband, um, I, I don't know. <laughs> That's great. That's great. What a family. And you are juggling all sorts of things because we're, we're in the coronavirus uh, major second wave lockdown three. And so you're homeschooling or are they because they're key worker children? Are they going to school? No, we're actually homeschooling. Oh. Um, I, I think I'm not as religious as other people might probably be uh, because of the hours that I do and same as my husband as well. Uh, but we try to complete as much of the work as possible on the days that they come in mm. and the ones that we are not able to do, we do them when we can because yeah. uh, otherwise we don't get to spend time as family with them as yeah. we, we wish we can. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's just something that everyone is having to come to terms with. So we're all trying our best if we can keep them at home. That's um, great. It's less work for the school. So, yeah. yeah. That's great. Uh, just an aside, um, are they watching any of the BBC bite-size education programs? They do. Actually, um, some of the work assignments from the schools are linked into the BBC bite-size and we'll in particular like some of the games that come with the marks and you can choose a theme. Um, so oh, yeah. Cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it at lunchtime today for the first time and um, I thought, oh. well, my English comprehension is all starting up. I'm fulfilling my education watching it. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, I've got four questions for you and my other guests have um, been asked the same question. So the first question is, Evelyn, if um, you had the chance to invite four people to dinner, it might be together or it might be singularly, who would you invite to dinner and why? It was quite a tricky question for me <laughs> because, um, I mean, if you think about where I come from, we don't do dinner for four. <laughs> if you invite four, you end up with probably 40 because everyone will come with, you know, 10 more. <laughs> so I had to uh, think quite um, deeply about it. But I, I was thinking about how I came to know God and steps leading up to it. And I thought about my mom, actually. But I thought about a younger version of her. Oh, lovely. Um, and I, yeah, and I say that because I think now... Um, perhaps because we are all grown up, she's relaxed. But I remember when we were young, she was very active uh, to make sure that we had a foundation. Um, at the time, my dad didn't necessarily go to church or wasn't religious. Um, she's Catholic and she made sure we attended every single service. Oh, uh, we went through all the baptism and the confirmation and everything. And me in particular, every time she went out, she came with a a book around Jesus, around God. And so I was reading all these books before I could even understand them. Oh. Um, 
um, I was, um, I mean, I came to faith when I was about, I would say, year seven in this country compared mm-hmm. to my education back home. And it, I think it was because I had, from a very young age, the opportunity um, from her introducing me slowly to the knowledge of God and Jesus. And so I think um, that was a great effort because if you think about women around that time and around the time when we were growing, women do a lot of the upbringing of the children mm. and they are very busy. Yes. So for her to have that one thing to make sure the children are grounded in, in God and Christ, um, I think it was something that I look back with a lot of respect and to her effort. Yeah. That's so the first person I would invite will be my mum, the younger version of my mum. I know a lot of change by <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Okay, second guest. Uh, second uh, second person. And I, I, I think I will invite everyone separately because okay. I like to spend time with people and get to know them inside out. So I think if there's too many people around, you don't get to uh, get to yes. to as to the things that you want from them. So I would have them one after the other. Yeah. And so the second person would be my grandmother. Um, oh, lovely. And this grandmother is not a biological grandmother as such. Um, she is my grand aunt, but then we didn't actually know growing up, she wasn't my mom's biological mom. I think mm-hmm. from as, as um, soon as my mom could um, fetch water from the river, my granddad gave her to uh, this lady uh, who was like an aunt to my mum mm. uh, because she couldn't have children of her own. And she took us in and she brought us up oh. as if, you know, um, she was our biological grandmother. Mm. But she was a lady that was full of knowledge in the community. She was like the mother of the, of the little village. Everybody came to her. And it was because she took time to know things. And so she has so much knowledge about how to be um, a role model in the community. She was um, somebody that would engage everybody, regardless of who you are, your background. I remember as, um, you know, little girls, she would cook for all the bachelors in their community and send us off um, to give food to people. And just because she felt it will just relieve them going out and men were not at that time, not necessarily um, expected to be going to the market and shopping for themselves and cooking. So she would do that for people. Um, She was also very knowledgeable about Mm self-care. So she knew a lot of herbs and I was quite close to her because when I was young, I was quite fragile uh, because I was always ill and therefore she drew me so close to her, hmm. you know, just so she can, she introduced me to herbs and little things that I have kept. But unfortunately, she passed away when I was still quite young in secondary yeah. school, in boarding school. And um, because she was a Muslim, um, they sent her off quite quickly. I didn't have a chance to, um, you know, even say mm-hmm. goodbye to her. And so I think if I had a chance, I'll bring her back. Um, and I'll sit down with her. But if I sit down with her this time, I will have a big book uh, with a pen and paper, and I write. Oh. I'll write down lots of things because I think she has so much mm. that I feel she's taking with her that we did not actually um, 
record and keep. As yes. Well. Yeah. What What did you call her? Uh, she, we we call her Nana. Nana. But okay. Her name was Hawa. Hawa. Kawa. Yeah. And yeah. what about your mother's name? What, what's her mom? My, my mom is my mom is Elizabeth, but then we call her Auntie because everybody calls her Auntie. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. Beautiful name, Elizabeth, but you call her auntie. Okay, <laughs> that's going to confuse me. Um, okay, that's that's wonderful. Two really influential ladies in your life. Yes. Um, okay, third guest, please. Um, my third guest would be, actually, he's a politician. Uh-huh. Not that I'm interested in politics at all, um, but it's just something that I experienced as a as a child when I was growing up. Um, and I mean, this politician initially came into power uh, by military. I don't know if he, he actually passed away in November last year. Right. Jerry John Rollins. Okay, yeah. And he came to power uh, through the military. Uh, I'm not very good when it comes to politics, but then later on elected him as a democratic uh, president of Ghana. And um, I would invite him because I think um, there was a movement when I was growing up in politics that I think um, for Christians and with things that are changing these days with generations and how we are reaching out to people that will not traditionally be part of how we worship and how we work with God, mm. there is something that I think I'd like to tap into from him. Um, I mean, the central government really was based in Accra, which is the capital mm -hmm. of Ghana. But I'm told this man used to um, fly a helicopter all over the country. And so he could see the tiny little villages every, everywhere in Ghana. And he could see the difference between the areas. And therefore, he started a movement where everybody in the country could participate in politics. And they participated in politics without sometimes even knowing they were. Yeah. Because uh, simple activities such as gathering together for a football match became um, some kind of engagement where people enjoyed what was happening around the country and took part without realizing they were. Mm. So I remember when we were growing up, Sundays were days off. We came back from church and our parents would cook and we all... We lock the doors or we leave the doors because we didn't have big gates. And we all carry food that has been cooked to the big field in the village. And everybody sat down, ate, we have football, we have games and we enjoy them. People from um, the political party will come and speak to people about how to look after themselves, about sanitation, about planning families and things like that. And that, you know, around those times, it did not feel like politics, mm. but everybody was involved, mm. although that was the aim of how they were moving people to become engaged in, in um, the purpose they had. Yeah. Um, and I think that resonates with what um, this time and age we are in is with me, because I think the gospel and what the gospel presents hasn't changed. Yeah. However generations change and the way we present gospel change and yeah. therefore we can't for me i think we can't expect to sit um in church and expect people to walk through like they used to do years and years ago yeah and um, i believe these kind of 
engagement, finding a way, if people are on the move, because everybody's moving, things are fast these days, mm. then at the church, and as people of God who want to reach out, we have to adapt mm. to the time that we are in, so yeah. that we can tap into these opportunities to engage people without them realizing they're actually being engaged in things mm. around, mm. Um, you know, getting to know God and building their relationship with God. Yes, um, yeah. That's a wonderful thought, because what you're really sharing is is how this politician was firstly very concerned for the whole nation and for for all the people of his country, uh, for Ghana. Secondly, a very empowering model, wasn't it? Um, and what you're saying is, as we think about the gospel, how do we empower others to hear? And, uh, you know, yeah, and that's a that's a real challenge for us as we think about being Christians in the 21st century and we're a very visual age aren't we compared yes. to and, to and I think we are doing we are doing that to some extent now mm. because lockdown has shown us that we can't just um, you know be limited to what we do inside church mm. and and it's quite empowering that you know God through his grace and the talents that he has endowed um, CBC with we've been able to embrace um, the change in the transformation that has come because I think we are reaching out to more people than we used to mm. when we we had service just on Sundays and in church because now we are live streaming. People all over the world, all over the country are able to um, you know, participate and engage. Um, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, we, we can reach out to people and, and with that mindset as he had, yeah. Um, you know, we have started, and I, I believe we're only going to do more because of yeah. What Great. Doing. Okay. Final guest, fourth guest. Who's it going to be? Uh, the final guest will be perhaps my younger self. So somebody around the age where I thought I was starting out life. <laughs> it could be a young girl or a young <laughs> a young boy. I would invite. Um, and I think it's because. I feel I have changed. I thought um, I knew, even I knew God, and I thought I was walking the way I should. Um, I had my mindset um, in life, how I, I thought life should be and how I would lead life. And I think life experiences um, expose you to so much that even as a Christian, mm -hmm. you, you look back and... Um, you're almost assessing yourself every single time and developing. So you can't say um, you have got to a point where you are perfect. Um, and I think sometimes we are too hard on ourselves. Um, so, you know, I, I, would, I like sharing um, what I have experienced. I like teaching. Um, and so I would like to invite somebody who is starting out oh, and have great. got set their mindset you know, to achieve certain things, say to them, you know what, wait, <laughs> relax, just allow God to work through you and allow God to expose you to experiences and just embrace every opportunity, whether it's difficult or not, and let God use you in that way. Yeah, so. That's great. That's lovely. Um, so what you would say to your younger self or actually to others who are just starting out as young adults. Yeah, I love that. Um that's very wise advice about uh, waiting because we're always in a rush, aren't we? Mm. To try and reach the next level yeah. or 
whatever that might achievement and um, and that God uses the experiences. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's really, really great in the sense of uh, three, including you, sort of three influential, you know, two influential women in your life and then your older self speaking into a younger person's life and, and this politician, uh, Jerry Rowling. So, Okay, let's move on. Uh, you, you're a nurse, you work in uh, healthcare. Uh, yeah. Here's a big question. So as a Christian, what have you learned in the past year about faith in the midst of suffering and loss, uh, particularly around the, you know, the coronavirus? How has God spoken to you? Yes, it is, it's been a very moving, uh, although challenging and sometimes quite a difficult time. Um unfortunately, I did not get the chance to <laughs> adjust to other ways. Um, so I think for me, this is what I have known. Um, I say that because I only qualified as a nurse um, towards the beginning of when everything was starting. Um, and so starting to practice, it was almost, I didn't, you know, I think I didn't get a chance to think about other things, but to just step in and do what there was to wow. be done yes and um when it comes to things like loss um now i think about loss in different ways mm. but i don't think i had the time to have been orientated as such mm. to to myself uh, to even deal with loss myself let alone be in a position to support people going through very uh, difficult situation and I say that is because I think um, my background and where we, we come from, things like death and bereavement are limited to the matured. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, when things are difficult and challenging, children are taken out of the ratio and adults deal with it. So I hadn't had any um, firsthand experience dealing with you know, some of these challenging situations that I have had to deal with the last, I'll say, couple of months or mm. even year before mm. everything. So I had to build myself um, resilience mm. to be able to deal with things personally and mm. then be able to support people. Yeah. Um, Could you, you know, so... Could you just, uh, in terms of building that resilience, what kind of things are you referring to about how you build that inner strength? Um, it's, I, I think it's, it's one thing when you hear about things happening mm. and it's another when you are in, in there, in mm. it, when things are happening. Mm. Um, and therefore, um, I, I say you have to prepare yourself, even if you feel emotional, yeah. You can't show it as such mm. because people need your support more than, you know, you need to be there yeah. to be able to support people in, in, in that situation. And it's been quite challenging. Yeah. Um, I won't jump to the concept of loss in death straight away, but I think about loss in terms of loss of time with, with people because normally, if it's not for the pandemic, when people are unwell and sometimes things happen without people being prepared for it, mm. they need loved ones to be around, to hold mm. their hand, comfort them, 
And unfortunately, because of what we're dealing with, mm. sometimes they just can't be there. Mm. And I think that loss of, you know, ability to be human to your husband, your wife, your child, mm. at a time when they need you is something that's really incredibly difficult for, to, for people to deal with. But then for us sometimes to also be in the position to, you know, just come to terms with. Yeah. Um, and then loss, I would, I would say like professionally, and it's not just me, I do speak to some colleagues and sometimes, you know, you feel as if you haven't done enough, although you have, because mm. of the challenge we are facing, you have to do what is um, critical. Mm. And therefore, you might feel as if the things you've set out to do, you are not doing them, but that's mm. not the case. Yeah. And therefore, you feel the loss of, um, you know, not being able to deliver what you really wanted to. Yeah. But in hindsight, you are doing what you're supposed yeah. to do. So we feel the emptiness of um, mm. not covering everything that you want to do. Mm. And then, you know, the loss which inevitably happens with people passing away with what's happening. Mm. Um, unfortunately, that happens. Yeah. And, and it's a, you know, it's a privilege as well, isn't it? To it I mean, you're being a surrogate there. loved one, aren't you? In some senses, yes. yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, but I, I, I think um, everything is done to prepare people. Mm. You know, if 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 uh, we know um, things are going to get to that point, then people are prepared as such. We keep in touch. We we let people know what's happening. Yeah. Um, for me personally, um, I have changed how I deal with people because I think about someone at the end of the uh, at the other side who's not able to come in to see their loved ones, mm. and it, it must be very incredibly difficult. So if mm. I call someone, I will ask them how are they, mm. and sometimes they're surprised. I'm asking them how they are. They're like you are so busy. How do you? I said yes because you should be here, but you can't. Yeah. So I feel is how do you feel? How are you feeling? Are yeah. you okay? And Lovely. so I've kind of had to change my approach to make sure, you know, show that compassion and that empathy. That's wonderful. That, yeah. It's, it's, been, it's been a blessing to be in that position. Mm. Um, mm. And I think everything that's happening has also presented opportunity for people to be open-minded. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't think of the number, many times people have asked um, what I think about what's happening in God and mm. mm. that sometimes open a conversation that you wouldn't necessarily be able to have in mm. that environment but people openly talk about how they want to now explore mm. faith in terms of finding out who God is and what they mm. you know because of the questions this um, pandemic has brought to their minds to you know yeah um, mm. So it's, it's quite a time, but then I think there's a lot that God is doing through all the chaos and all the yeah. um, things that's happening. Yeah. Thank you for sharing something of uh, the experience, which is really at the cold face of what we're going through. And we're incredibly blessed to have people like you there serving. Now, um, Bible text what's a text from the scripture that really means a lot to you Evelyn and and a song or a hymn 
tell us. Okay, so I've got this song that actually I think a few people have asked me if I go to church because I just can't stop humming this song when I'm even working. Um, I will stand um, on every promise of your word. Um, you know, although I don't know all the words on top of my head, I just keep humming every time, most of the time quite <laughs> loudly, the people, you know. Um, oh, that's great. They, you're singing. You do you sing? And I say, yeah, I go to church, so I like singing. Um, so that song is because Psalm 56, verse 3 has been a verse, you know, when I'm afraid, even when I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. It's a verse that not just this pandemic, but um the year before that became one verse that I kind of held on to, and it's just one that I've been holding on to because of some challenges that I went through. Sure. And um, this year, um, last year, all that's happening brings fear to each of us at, in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. Even when you feel you are brave and you just get on with things, sometimes mm -hmm. you step back and you just, things get to you a little bit and you, mm. you, 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 you realize actually, I couldn't have done that if it wasn't for God. Mm. So when I'm afraid, I trust in you, God, because I know in that moment when I'm so fearful and I'm so anxious or I'm so worried, you are with me. So Psalm 56 verse 3 is the psalm that I take with me because um, I think it's just comforting awesome. uh, to know that God is there. Yeah. Oh, it's lovely. It's it. It's like taking a, a vitamin. You're fortifying yeah. your spirit, aren't you? Yeah. Um, that's that's really a, a yeah. That's a, a lesson for us all to find a scripture to feed our soul in the face of uncertainty and fear. Thank you. My last question. Um, what do you hope for our children? You've got two primary school children. Um, what do you hope for in Colchester Baptist Church in the next few years um, uh, for them and, and for our church as we reach out to other young people and children? Your thoughts on that, please. Um, I think one of the reasons I actually stayed at the church was how the children were en encouraged and involved, um, you know, the opportunities for them to have their own time to grow and to find God. When we started to come to the church, when we were exploring what church we wanted to go to, um, and I, I was speaking to someone the other day about what's happening with our children at church, and um, he said they don't have any children in their church, and I was quite surprised. I said, well, we, we've got quite a lot of young families and children have different activities that engage all of them and I think it's such a blessing mm. to have um, all these activities engaging children um, you know in their coming to know God mm. and I hope that we are teaching children we are guiding them but my mm. hope is that they will find God through his power mm. will reveal himself to every one of them when the right time comes so they will realize it's not just what we are telling them but they've come to experience God it's just you know you've realizing that actually 
this is what I want to do and not because mm-hmm. mommy has been taking me uh, yeah. to church you yes. know that is the prayer and also I mean I have done some volunteering for the children uh, groups that we have when we were open and it was uh, very inspiring how people are dedicating their time to support young families and children who come to our building mm. uh, both of them come there they don't get charged for anything and they get really good service the children have such a, a great time mm. I hope that um whilst they come there God will use the activities that we have mm. um to draw them to realization of who he is yeah um is my prayer um Wonderful. Yeah, the people will come to know God through the activities that we've got. Yes. Yeah. yes. Thank because. you, Evelyn. Um, and, you know, what can we pray for you? What would the, you know, in terms of what you're doing in your professional life, uh, what would the one prayer be for those in healthcare? I think for healing, really. For healing. <laughs> because I think once, um, you know, it would just bring such um, relief to people. If you think about it, people have been going things, you know, since the beginning we have been running. Unfortunately, uh, most of us have not been well, like myself, I had mm. COVID mm. and quite challenging for mm. the health, health system at every level. People at the top making decisions, people at the, at the bottom delivering hands-on support mm. uh, just praying for God to heal um, you know our land mm. and just also to give us the the strength to keep going mm. and you know just to also it's just you know inspiring what we are doing because then we know we are not just doing it for the sake of of, of things because I'm, I'm sure each and every one of us that work in these areas we go there with the purpose of caring for people and being there for people in mm. mind, even when it's difficult. So just forgot to give everyone strength, forgot to, um, you know, protect us and forgot to bless us. And most of all, just bring healing yeah. to our land. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Well, let's pray uh, for you and, and for everyone you represent in the health service, all the nurses across our land. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, great King of the universe, we thank you that you're our God and that you call us to yourself through your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for Evelyn, for her life um, as a wife, as a mother um, and as a daughter and as a nurse. Thank you for her life that is offered to you. We pray We do pray, O God, for the wards of our hospitals even now. We pray, Holy Spirit, you breathe your peace in the demands and the rush and how staff are stretched, how they're seeking to bring comfort and assurance and uh, healing and restoration. We pray, Holy Spirit, uh, as we think about this day where 100,000 people have died to this virus and we pray for those 100,000 families Lord we pray for your comfort and consolation that you make yourself known through your Holy Spirit 
And we pray you heal our land. Lord, there's lots of trauma and, uh, and fears. And we just thank you for the dedication and the sacrifice of nurses across these islands. And we thank you for, for Evelyn and all her colleagues who work tirelessly at this particular time. We pray you protect them and guard them. We pray for the senior leaders as they make crucial decisions about deploying resources and meeting the needs. Oh God, we pray that you equip every one of them, strengthen them. And for those who, who've had COVID and, and are recovering, for those who are fearful of getting that, and also just for families back home and uh, who are concerned as well, we pray your peace, your shalom. Thank you for that verse that uh, Evelyn's brought to us from Psalm 56, verse three, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And Lord, right now we put our trust in you, our Saviour God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Evelyn, it's been wonderful to hear part of your story, to listen to the inspiring, um, your auntie, your mother, Elizabeth, and uh, <laughs> your late nana, nanny, um, and... Um, and just, you know, the wisdom that you bring and your passion for care and, and teaching, it's really evident. And I know that we're excited that you're on the Deacon's uh, leadership team. And we pray God's blessing on you and protection. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. God bless. <laughs> Bye. Thanks.